Welcome to another episode. My name's Claire. Today I have a very exciting guest. Taylor, hello. Welcome. I'm super pumped, especially since, I mean, I I probably would have asked you to be on regardless, but I'm <gasps> not going to lie. It It is super exciting for me that you are Korean American. I'm so that's exciting for me as well. So yeah, like, as I mentioned, our seasons on beauty and love. So can you just start off by telling us like where you grew up and what kind of messages of beauty and love you received growing up? Sure. Um, well, I grew I'm I'm a I'm a 90s. Well, I wasn't born in the 90s, but I grew up in the 90s. So I'm a 90s baby. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I grew up in the Midwestern United States in a very predominantly white area. Um, and I'd say it's kind of a weird time and place to grow up. You know what I mean? Mm. And, and like, just when I saw this question, some of my like honest first reactions were that the messages that I got about beauty was just that beauty was blonde hair and blue eyes. Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I just remember just like as a child and as a teen, just growing up feeling so undesirable because I just, I had no real like, role models just no examples of like diverse beauty and um, mm -hmm. i think as well another thing that came to mind was just like the messages that we got about skincare during oh, that God, yeah <laughs> like skincare meant just like the harshest products that you can imagine just like really harsh like mm -hmm. drying products that was healthy skincare at the time and then just like if you just think too like the Friends reunion was on not too long ago. When you um, watch like these old episode of episodes of Friends, like what you realize is just like how thin all of those women were. They were mm. tiny, 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 yeah. super yeah. thin. And there, that was very much like the aesthetic in like the late '90s, early 2000s, super tan. That know? and thin eyebrows, like yeah. Oh, thank God that's over. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. And then also I feel just too is just like one like hair texture. Like you know, like mm. really us like as Koreans, a lot of us have like a lot of hair and very thick. Mine is actually naturally wavy. And like I remember just really not yeah. liking that. I wanted like the super straight, like pin yeah. straight, <laughs> yeah. shiny hair. What's know? in now though, the waves. Who it knew? <laughs> <laughs> then I think as far as like love, like again, if this is me looking at like like, I don't think I really got a lot of messages about love or I didn't start paying attention to the messages I got about love until I was a teen. Mm. Like the late 90s, early 2000s. Like to me, love was like what you saw in like a really bad teen romantic comedy. <laughs> you know, like Never Been Kissed with Drew Barrymore, that kind of thing. Oh, and just yeah. the idea that like girls should be chased, like girls mm -hmm. should just sit and wait to be approached which is not I don't think it's a particularly healthy message and just no. I think we also got a lot of messages about codependency yeah you know? yeah I feel that yeah so when you mentioned like some unhealthy mixed messages we we grew up like we grew up with how did you navigate that like did you talk to your friends about it did you talk to your family about it well do you mean in regards to like in, in regards to just in general, in general, the messages that we received. Yeah. Uh, yeah and all the confusing <laughs> emotions that came with it. Well, I think the issue was at the time, it's just like, we didn't have the rhetoric or the vernacular to talk about those things in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. That's just the way it was. 
you know, like now when I look up, I can when I, now then when I, when I look back, I can go, that's messed up. That ain't yeah. right for yeah. this reason, this reason, this reason. Mm-hmm. But I just think like in that time, like the tools to like articulate what was so problematic about that just didn't exist. So I think for me, like as far as, for example, what I struggled with as far as like racial and ethnic identity, um, certainly one of the uh, tools that I developed for it, which is kind of sad really, but it was kind of like this thing of like, I'm going to make a racial or ethnic joke before somebody else does. Oh, yeah, I did that all the time. I make that joke. Yeah. yeah. How sad, though. But it it was our, like, coping mechanism. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I think this is what I tell people now. Like, I guess one of the silver linings is that we do have the language to label some of the things that have happened to us growing up. I I keep bringing this up, like, microaggressions that did not exist back then. How do you even explain that? That's exactly what I mean. But thank God for it now. (laughs) We still have a lot of language to to develop, even now, to describe all the intricacies. Who were, I mean, you kind of mentioned, like, oh, I didn't really have beauty role models. But who who did you gravitate towards when you were trying to carve out that definition for yourself? Well, okay. So it's really interesting because, like, I remember seeing at a very young age, like other East and Southeast Asian women on TV, but they didn't register to me as beauty role models. Like one of the first memories I have is when I was really young. I think I want to say maybe I was about six. I remember seeing Christy Yamaguchi skate. Oh, yeah. And I saw her and I remember understanding that she was Asian American, but I didn't really see her as a beauty role model. Mm. Just, I guess, because at six, you're not really thinking of that kind of thing. Well, you know? Yeah, that too, yeah. <laughs> but um, thinking about this, I would have to say there are two that, that came to mind. I remember on the show, Ally McBeal was a thing. I still, actually, I still love Ally McBeal. And yeah, um, Lucy that. Liu was on oh, yeah. Oh. yeah, Yeah, love her. Um, so she was definitely a, a beauty role model. And that just that she's so, she's such a classic natural beauty and I just remember no. something I really like about her is that she just had those that like really cute little like spray of freckles across oh her yeah yeah and just that also Ling Wu was just such a strong character as well yeah you know totally and then I, another example that I thought of it's the, I think it was, I was in high school when I really started like learning a little bit about k-pop and getting into that so then mm-hmm. Boa. oh Oh my god, boy is gorgeous. <laughs> got it. And the fashion. Oh my god. Yeah. Trendsetter. <laughs> you know, because when I look at those women now, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, we're both appreciating, like we're laughing, we're like, yes, icons. But I think even as a kid, I registered all the negative language around them too. I don't know why. Definitely. Um, you know, the way that Lucy Liu is discussing comparison to I can't even Jennifer Aniston, for example, because we're talking about friends, which is radically, radically different. So I think like that subconsciously told me like, well, what are and this is this is also like very problematic. But when you describe women, it's like, oh, like what is a standard of beauty? You know, right. It's like body parts. Right? But for women, like what body part are we supposed to have? We're just we're literally invisible in this area, too. Yes. And yes, I, I don't I don't know why. And so did, did you? 
so did you notice that as as a child and like how did that impact you sorry i was gonna say i think it's because this is like the first time in like a really long time i'm talking about this with someone that i don't need to explain it to but right it's it's so nice but it's also bizarre because i'm just not used to it so i'm like oh no like i'm immediately like do i need to tone it down a little bit to make it easier for the white folks to understand it but yeah so if you noticed those comments surrounding lucy Liu, for example i think one very common comment that i saw was like always around her eyes and i was always like oh my god is that what am i supposed to do with that like what what is video i just remember being like very very confused and this is a woman who've entered hollywood you know so yeah yeah, i'm just curious like how that may have impacted you if you noticed those comments i think this is actually a really really good point and you're exactly Mm -hmm. right but I think especially in like the late 90s, early 2000s, there's a very specific way of speaking about Asian American women. It was yeah. always like the almond shaped eyes, oh, yeah. <laughs> ebony hair. You know what I mean? And I think what this yeah. does is like, I don't want to speak for like all young women at all, but I think certainly for a, young, a lot of young Asian American women in our generation, I think on some level, this like, perpetuated this idea that beauty was for us beauty was exoticization yeah is, is that the way exoticization that's the word yeah yeah that like yeah. they kind of have to other yourself and like play up the exotic aspect of yourself to be beautiful that's where your appeal was which i think is a very very problematic message you know yeah Oh, appeal. Yeah, that, that's yeah. the word I was going for. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say, like, just like something for like Lucy Liu and Boa, as like, as far as like fashion or beauty icons, if you will, they're the same, but they're different. So they're the same yes. in the sense that they're both like, for me, like, both like young East Asian women who are just very natural, natu- naturally, naturally beautiful women. Mm-hmm. And, but I think we're, we're like, what's different for me is like, Lucy Liu was very much and still is actually very much into just like a very like natural yeah aesthetic, very minimal yeah. makeup left her hair really natural and long and straight and just like a pretty woman mm-hmm. whereas I think when I saw Boa Boa who's also again very very naturally pretty but at mm. the same time she encouraged me to want to be a little more experimental mm, so like I see that I saw, yeah, yeah yeah when I saw Boa like I, I thought about like oh the possibility of experimenting with different hair colors, yeah. getting a little more out there with fashion, because I was very much used to wearing clothes that would help me like blend in as much as possible. Wow, yeah, <laughs> I mean, she is a trendsetter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I remember seeing Boa music video for Milky Way on the Milky Way, that one, and she was blonde, and I was oh. blown away by that. I was like, damn, she looks great as a blonde. Look at her. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's it. That's a good point that you're bringing up. I think there's actually different categories of exotification. And I think it's coming up now where there's profitable exotification. I don't even know if that, that's like the right term, but like I remember like like Boa got tons of sponsorships at the time. I, I can't I can't specifically remember like overseas. I don't think she had quite reached the US at no. the time, but it's like yeah yeah, exactly but that's like kind of like like where where it's where it it started and then eventually kind of like came came over here but i feel like 
a lot of white countries choose to pick up these um, Asian stars or actors or singers or whatever, exotify them, the descriptions and choose to like go on board and be tokenistic wherever it's profitable, yes. but never really pull the whole game of, yeah, yes. let's, let's bring diversity into that sort. You made me think of, see, that's why I think issues with like EDN racism really yeah. encircle every single freaking sector and beauty and love is something do. that's, of course. you know, like we need to like share our stories because right now, like we're blurred, like Lucy Liu and Bo are seen as like one woman in Hollywood still because, you know, Asian, that's yeah. it, you know? Yeah. Like, no, that's not yeah. it at all. Yeah. <laughs> so frustrating. So I guess like how now that you've moved to different uh, countries and experienced mm -hmm. different cultures, like how have your perceptions of beauty and maybe love <laughs> changed? This is my favorite question. I love this question. Oh, yay. <laughs> so, um, so just to like kind of contextualize everything, I grew up in the United States until I was 20. Mm. I studied abroad for a summer in Ireland, and then I liked it so much that after graduation, I went back to Ireland. Oh, cool. And the one thing that stuck out to me in Ireland, I think, it's like, and I think this has to do with both beauty and love, if you will, but like Ireland is where I actually started to realize that men other than East and Southeast Asian men could be attracted to me. <laughs> I didn't know it was actually possible. Like, yeah. as, as wild as that sounds, like yeah. I only thought. No, that, like, it's the reckoning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, like, like I would, I would go on like little on nights out or go to the pub with friends, and then a man would start talking to me. Oh, hi, how are you doing? And would be, I, I would think it was just a conversation. Mm. Then, like one of my friends would be like, he was flirting with you. And like, really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the thing. Oh, all right. <laughs> it's like that was like where that realization was there i think that was the big thing in ireland mm. um, and then went, then from there i was in korea mm. and um almost a decade in korea we talked about this a little bit i was there a long time yeah. and if we're looking at korea i think the big lessons that i learned there it was it was mostly mostly positive um and i'll start with that so it's like, I think one, one thing was that there was a big emphasis on skincare and very, very good skincare mm. that's like gentle and like nourishing. So I've yeah. noticed what I, like, what I really liked is that like, I feel like in Korea, the ethos is very much take really, really good, good care of your skin yeah. and then minimal makeup and wear makeup in almost a way where it looks like you're not wearing any makeup. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and then, and that's and Korea is actually where I learned to do my makeup mm. properly. You know, because there's just yeah. like there's there, there's people that work in like cosmetic shops that like understand your face shape and like mm. different features of like like not saying that we're like everybody's different, of course, but understand like the classic features of a mm. face. Mm. And you know, for the first time, I was going to hairstylists that understood my hair texture. Oh, yeah. You know, I was, I was very much into microblading. So I'd go to like an esthetician that knew how to microblade in a way that would like complement the face shape. And so it's just like mm -hmm. the first time of like being in a country and culture that really understood beauty from my perspective. And that mm -hmm. was just like a really wonderful thing. Yeah. And like to this day, it's like I'm ride or die Korean skincare products. Yeah, yeah me too. Not, <laughs> I will not, 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 not use any of this products here on my skin not a chance <laughs> yeah they're harsh 
the yeah. uh, other products just as an fyi <laughs> yeah and same too like i'll only yeah. use like misha cc cushion i will not use any kind of like, <laughs> western foundation absolutely not <laughs> oh yeah. yeah we'll have to swap skincare stories at a later oh, time yeah. but we must uh, anyway yeah. oh um i guess one other thing that i thought that i thought of too in regards to korea mm. like again i think my experiences regarding beauty there were, were mostly positive and it was a wonderful mm. thing and i learned so much of how to look after myself um but just the one thing that maybe that i had a hard time with and certainly this is changing mm. but just because it's like a place where it's like 99 korean people that i yeah. often found as far as like beauty there was like one ideal mm. there's like one ideal face shape one yeah. ideal body type one ideal this that yeah. you know um and that i sometimes found myself not agreeing with like well no other body types are, are beautiful too everybody is you know yeah then as far as like love in korea um, <laughs> I'm, I'm quite often I'm answering a lot of these in a in a dating from a dating perspective, but that's okay. I often I found like my experiences dating Korea was I didn't have a great time. I I I um I'm glad I was in Korea and I'm glad I learned a lot. But dating I didn't do so well. I didn't really have any long term serious relationships during the time I was in Korea, just mm -hmm. because I found that quite often um. Korean men found me really confusing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. They found me really confusing. Um, and, you know, which is fine. Like, people are different. Um, mm. And I guess, but just the one thing that I noticed here, there was, and again, this is changing. Everybody's different. But I did find that in Korea, as far as dating, it was a lot easier to know what was going on. In the sense that first mm. you go on a blind date, then yeah. he'll then he'll send you a message saying thank you for the date. <laughs> oh, really? Then you get a cow message saying good morning, how are you? And oh, then it's wow! Like, Straight to it. And then it's like some, like you know, it's like some, like you're seeing each other. You know? <laughs> yeah. And then once he confesses, you're officially a couple. So it's very like you always know exactly what's going on. There's not a lot of ambiguity. Yeah. You know. So I guess that's what that's what I learned in korea as far as that just like there's i feel like in some ways there's a lot of transparency as far as like what's happening between you and another person you know yeah, yeah. Ugh, you need that though it's so refreshing whereas <laughs> uh, i mean i don't want to generalize but you know like dating in the u.s and even in the uk it's like what <laughs> what are we doing you know i i think um you know we we talked earlier like outside of this recording of yeah. oh man this is a whole nother topic i think i should preface this by saying i feel really uncomfortable when non well basically when white people comment on these issues okay uh, because it's like you don't have the lived in experience exactly. of the culture to comment on this stuff so you know if you and i were kind of saying bad things you know about living in korea that's fair enough like not country every country is perfect that's, yeah. there's no such thing you know like that that's our right to do so you know we're, we're talking it out but mm -hmm. then i do find like whenever dating comes up and i bring up like oh yeah korean guys found me confusing i've never actually dated a korean guy they're like oh well it might be that it's like don't go into don't your theory you have no idea you do not have the right to no. do that 
Hey, no. but I see it all the time and it's, yeah. <laughs> it just really bothers me. And, mm-hmm. you know, like being a white person in Korea or Asia is like a whole, whole different thing. Yeah. But did you, like, did you date mostly like Korean men when you were in Korea? I did. Yes. Um, like towards the later part of my stint um, in Korea, I decided to that like maybe this wasn't working out. And, like maybe I tried to date international residents of Seoul mm. and I went on it was like this one day one day curse there's never more than one day I went on a series of like six really bad first dates and the weird thing is yeah. they all had names that start with a j or a g every single one of them <laughs> what? Yeah. it was like Gavin, John, Jerry like, like on and on like non-stop. interesting so, like, yeah actually when I came to Glasgow and I I came to Glasgow and I was in a 14 day travel quarantine, right? Mm. And I was super bored. And um, I, was, I was like, somebody talked to me. <laughs> yeah. flat. So I downloaded Tinder and like, honestly, if it was a J or G name, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> no. And, in, and in Scotland, there's a lot of J and G's like James, John, Graham, Gareth. Oh, I guess it scarred you and it's another filter. <laughs> Never again. And like, I just found like mm. everybody's different. But yeah. the reason that like dating didn't really go so, go so well for me in Korea was that with Korean guys found me confusing. Mm. And I found that I'll, not saying all the international men in Korea are like this, but in my experience, the international men that I went on dates with, I got the impression that they more liked the idea of me rather mm, than yeah. get to know me. And I was like, boo, no. So it was just kind of like about 11 months out when when I had decided, or like 11 months before I left Korea. It was like a little yeah. less than a year when I decided, nah, I'm going to move, I'm going to leave. Mm. So at that point, and this was after this like, run of like really bad dates <laughs> I was like, you know what i'm just gonna focus on my friends i'm leaving here in several months let's just focus on friends. Yeah. So that's what i did and um my pay i was rewarded my my patience was rewarded and i've been dating a really nice guy pretty much ever since i arrived here so yeah it, it all worked out it did. i mean can we get into the you said that mm-hmm. um they like the idea of you yes so yeah like can you elaborate like what what do you mean i'm gonna give you two examples that okay. are, like really clearly show you exactly what i mean so like one thing that would happen that was not uncommon it's like on the first date i would be constantly compared to his previous Korean girlfriend. Oh, yep. So, like, let's give her a fake name. What should we give her a fake name as? Let's say, like, um, let's see. What what, what can we call her? Let's just call her Stephanie. Stephanie. Okay. Stephanie. I thought you were going to go for a Korean name. I was waiting. I, I was trying to think of one, but then I, was, I kept thinking of, like, <laughs> names of my friends and students kept popping in my head. Um, okay, so Stephanie, right? Stephanie. So like I would be on a date and the, so where do you live? Oh, I live in Yeoksamdong. Mm-hmm. Oh, you live in Yeoksamdong. Oh, Stephanie lived in Cheongdamdong. It's like they're not close. You know, so it's like I almost just felt like sometimes like he was on a date to like search for like a search for like a stand-in. Mm. Oh, you like salmon, Stephanie like tuna. Stop. 
you know yeah like I don't want to be like the stand in the replacement for you know red flag yeah and it's just like I can't help but feel there's like a racial aspect to that because that you wouldn't be making that comparison if I wasn't a Korean girl you know what I mean yeah 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 I, I do and I think it is problematic because society touts Asian women as this obedient petite type of woman and that's why Mm -hmm. I mean I've had like so many comments from like previous white male friends who are like well I just want to like date someone who's easy you know who'll just go along with what I say and Mm. they seem to fulfill that but anyways what was your second example second example from like last date but no this is from the last first date I went on before leaving Korea done yeah I'm done so like it was like I want to say it was like late August or sometime in September when it's still like quite warm in Korea. It wasn't like summer, summer, but it's still like warm enough to like walk around in like lighter clothes without a jacket. Yeah. And I showed up to meet him and I was just wearing like a summer dress with like little like flower pattern on it. Nothing special, just like a normal like summer dress with like a floral pattern. Hmm. Yeah. And he looks at my dress and he goes, oh, is that like a traditional korean summer oh my god come (laughs) on white dudes come on what did you say back like what do you mean he's like well you know is that like 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 a korean tradition to wear a dress like that i was like it's a summer dress what are you why are you into this bro It's just, I mean, dating is hard enough. And just the fact that you have to, like, fil- you have to filter through the ones that are, you know, quote, unquote, bad. And then you have to filter the ones who don't have an Asian fetish. And then you have to, you know, it's just, like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. And I guess it's just, like, that's what, I mean, that's just what's where I feel lucky being here in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. And. And like, albeit like, just because of the way things worked out when I arrived in Glasgow, I only went on one first date and then it was a nice guy. That was it. I know there's a You've been rewarded for your series of first dates. (laughs) But I guess like the good lesson that I'm learning here is like, is dating here more ambiguous than in Korea with like a Korean man? Yes, it's definitely more ambiguous. Mm -hmm. You know, things are just more fluid, you know. But at the same time, like what's really nice it's what I like here. It's like if people care about you, they'll they'll show you, be it through like their actions or their words or like as well, like a good lesson for me is I've stopped trying to like predict or read between the lines because I feel like so often and especially in like dating, even though I did just get done saying like you can always know what's happening. Mm-hmm. I think Korean people do have a tendency to like speak in riddles. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of like yeah. Like they speak in a certain way where you have to have really good nunchi. You know, it's it's all about the nunchi. <laughs> and like even for me, like even for me in English, like when I'm speaking English, I don't have like English language nunchi. So in Korean language, just forget it. You know. <laughs> yeah. So it's like I've stopped trying to like make logical leaps or like, oh, this happened. Does that mean this person is angry at me? Mm. Oh, this happened. Does this mean this? Like I've stopped trying to do that. You know, which I feel is like something that you get, you really kind of get into the habit of doing that in Korea a lot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I I think like anywhere, especially if you have a cult, I mean, I do it here because there is a cultural barrier 
here too but yeah I, I get what you mean and it does become exhausting we have been like touching upon this but how do you think or initially i was just gonna say how do you think asian women but how do you think asian american women occupy beauty and love and the media and like yeah. what we see well um before we get on to that can i talk a little bit about like beauty and stuff? oh oh yeah yeah of course yeah, no, no 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 it's fine um it's just so it's like it's kind of like i went from like korea was like all about skincare and makeup and like people understand my hair texture yeah. that kind of thing um mm. i think one thing in scotland is like i've learned to feel more positive about body image mm. like even though like i was like really well looked after as far as skincare and hair care in korea yeah. like at the same time i think there very much is this pressure to be really thin and tiny you know yeah so i feel more positive about body image here and like i feel like how can i say like what happened is when i got here i just learned to relax a lot about stuff <laughs> like that like when i was before when i was in korea i at the time i was a strict pescatarian Mm. And I was also doing intermittent fasting. Oh, wow. How is that? Sorry? How is that? It's actually all right. It's not too bad. Yeah, I got used to it. So what made you stop? Well, I just got here and I just like, I just start feeling really relaxed about stuff like that. Like, I guess, I don't know, like as as well, I was jet lagged, first of all. So (laughs) eating patterns were all over. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and then just. And like also when I was when I was a, when I was a pescatarian, mm. my rule at the time was I would make exceptions for it if it was for a cultural reason. Mm. So like right. if I went to like somebody's house and they like made me like this beautiful traditional cultural meal yeah. that contained like things that I normally don't eat, I'm not going to not eat it. These people went through all this trouble. You know? Right, right, yeah. But then I got to Scotland and kind of like everything was cultural. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, and uh like the thing is like I'm really I'm still not the type I'm never gonna sit down and eat like a burger that's too much for me mm. but, if I, but like I eat more chicken now or if I get like for example like a chicken wrap that has a little bit of bacon in it it's like it's not a big deal mm. which like the weird thing is is like I don't know what it is and like Scottish people are shocked when I say this, but when I got to Glasgow without even trying within the first two months, I lost 10 pounds in a dress size. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So just something about, like, I don't know if it's part of it is psychological or just something about like the environment and like my eating patterns here really work for me, but mm. relaxed a lot in regards to that stuff. And just, I feel better and feel healthier and it's, it's worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like it's a positive mental health shift. I think so. And I think it also has to do with the fact that like fruit is just so much cheaper here than in Korea. <laughs> the fruit is so expensive. Oh, so I, yeah. I always have like fruit and like lots of fresh vegetables in the house and like all the time. And that could be yeah. it. Yeah. Except for chamoy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I do miss that. Yeah. And I also miss in the, um, in the autumn, I miss how you could buy like fresh dechu oh yeah delicious. Wait, what's that in english i forgot temperate jujube right oh isn't it it's such a weird name for yeah. english but yeah oh is that that yeah. is or like a chinese date i've heard it's called I, as well i think i think so yeah i just i always, i never remember that term but yeah i do i do miss it they're quite expensive here but i've never yeah. seen them here oh yeah i've seen them like dried but never yeah never fresh yeah which is strange I also, but, 
yeah. story for you too, if you don't mind. Which is also kind of like mm-hmm. body image and beauty too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, first of all, I just want to preface this by saying like I'm totally healthy now. There's no issues. Mm-hmm. Now. But when I was mm-hmm. when I was a little girl, I did have health complications. And mm. as a result, like I had surgery and like, that was something that I felt really self-conscious about. Cause you know, like surgery like leaves like scarring and stuff. Right. Right. right yeah. yeah. And so like the, one of the last things that I did before I left Korea, was like, I'm going to make a positive out of it and mm. I'm gonna get like a really big tattoo. So like actually oh. from here yeah, all the way down, like across my torso to here, it's like, I have kind of like this ro- black and white, like rose pattern. Oh, wow. That sounds beautiful. Thank you. It was it, it comes at a cost though because it took seven hours yeah i was gonna say how long did it take and yeah. what sounds huge and i had this wonderful oh. we had to do it in, in um two appointments but at this wonderful oh artist who was how did you do it it was, it was just really boring because like i had to sit there and just like you can't laugh you can't cough <laughs> yeah no and just like i don't speak korean as my first language and my tattoo artist joe does not speak english as his first language so I didn't really want to talk to him because, like, I didn't want to say something and confuse him. Like, what? And then he, like... It messes up, like, <laughs> on your body, yeah. <laughs> and so that was kind of, like, doing that, like... First of all, I was just so fortunate to find the perfect artist who, like, really treated mm. it in, like, a sensitive way. Yeah. And, but just after getting that done, like, I started, like, wearing, like, little, like, high-cut tops, you know, because I just felt so much more confident. Yeah. So that was kind of, like, the final gift Korea gave to me and just also allowed me to come to like Scotland with like so much more confidence and just like just the other day actually when I went to um get my first COVID vaccine Mm. there's like a like a security guard just kind of like standing by like the parking bay for like with like a big fence trying to like bring people to the correct entrance Mm. and I asked him where to go and like he was like oh tattoo nice oh, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah oh that's sweet really full circle on that yeah yeah mm-hmm. oh what a story thank you if you're that's ever beautiful. in korea and you want a tattoo i'll refer you to this guy he's great you know what i find interesting about a tattoo like i, I okay so there are, i have seen korean women have tattoos mm-hmm. and own it and i i love that because it's so defiant of the trope of like the quiet submissive petite sure. woman which is like ugh. or unless you want to be that like do you whatever i i still think that when you have a tattoo in korea this is just purely my experience people do kind of see like wow that's so different like mm-hmm. whoa why so ha- did you want a tattoo for like a, a long time or was it just oh okay yeah like t- well, tell I me should- about that well, I've always like I've always had some like I have one on my foot, but just like the probably the most visible ones as I walked around was like I have all this here too. Oh, that's pretty. But what's the one in your wrist? So like this stars one, and. So yeah, so this one says "This too shall pass." Oh. And then this one here, yeah. so I have like a stardust pattern, and then my artist. Yeah. Korea Joe, he actually added a quote from a book that kind of like goes into it. Wow. Like, it's a literary tattoo. And yeah. what I found my experience, like with like visible tattoos, is like young Koreans especially tend not to care at all. Oh yeah. They, and I even they don't found, like Ajumas and Ajushis didn't really care once they figured out that I was Korean American. <laughs> yeah. Even That's there's the past. Even, there's even just 
one time where I was, I had two friends who were from Germany and we went to Kwangjang market mm. and we we're like eating in the market. We had like the pinde duck and the john and the makoli, oh. like sitting on a little, I know, right? Miss so it, like, yeah. And they're like, Ajashi is like right next to us. So we all like mm. sit in a little row around the stall, you know, yeah. eating and chatting. And like, he heard us speaking English. Mm. So then he talked to me in English. He like, he pointed to my wrist. He's like, this, like, is it real? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's real. This is real too. <laughs> and he goes, oh, nice, nice. Oh. <laughs> I do like moments like that. Yeah, I love, I, I lived for moments like that when I was there. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, it, I mean, it does happen. And, and you know, like what, what I love is like the when you are like traveling or, you know, you're you're in some place where like there are a majority of Koreans, you do the Korean nod, like you speak in Korean and all of a sudden you have this like little bonding moment. Yeah, I love the I mean, we're not traveling now, so I haven't had those. But mm -hmm. yeah, so I mean, yeah, w was there anything more that you want to say? And I just totally interrupted no, with like my friend. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Um. I guess just one thing, one more thing, just thinking about like the idea of like beauty in Scotland and how that's changed. Mm, yeah. It's, it's kind of like what I really liked about being here as far as like my own confidence and self-perception as just that I'm not held to any standards. Mm. So it's like, I'm not like, it's very much that thing of like, this is turning into a really long answer to this question. Oh, but no. Someone that I love is the late singer, Mexican-American singer, Selena. Wow. Dreaming of you tonight, her. I feel like, oh my gosh, I haven't thought about her in a while. You know? And... Oh. Like one of the reasons I identify with her so much is like she just really, I think, shows how to like own the like the multicultural like struggle of like growing up in the 90s as a young woman of color. Like there's a scene in the movie, Jennifer Lopez, Edward James Almos, where they're driving and like Mr. Qu Mr. Quintanilla is like, you have to prove to the Americans how American you are. You have to prove to the Mexicans how Mexican you are. It's hard being American. Yeah. I relate to that so much. Wow. And, what an accurate scene. And that's, I think that's why I like living in Scotland and in Glasgow so much. Like I'm not held to the standard of how Korean I am. Mm. am. I'm just kind of allowed to just be. And people are very accepting of like different kinds of people here and just don't really mm. think non-judgmental. So it's great. Yeah. yeah. How they should be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think... I mean, our our perspective is kind of I can't believe I'm even saying this, but it's it's perceived as niche because there aren't a lot of us, I think. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, like being in the UK, when do you see Asian women or Asian American women in the media that makes you go, oh, this is great. Or do you think, you know, it's like, how do you think we're doing in the UK? Specifically the UK. Yeah, because I, th I think it is a narrative that's being missed and I, I haven't spoken out about it personally because I'm not I'm not British you know like I'm still right. Asian American and I think we mentioned this when we chatted last time uh, the only person I've kind of seen going at this is Gemma Chan you know gorgeous mm -hmm. brilliant actress but apart from her like who and I'm so, talking specifically about East Asian women right. really haven't 
seen a lot and we are cast as I, I think it's we're very behind but yeah like what, what's your take on this i think the way that we like occupy this space in the media is something that's constantly evolving for sure mm. um names that i can think of is like Gemma chan as you said yeah katie lung as well i think has been wonderful about like right yeah and then i think too it's just like now like you have like black pink getting hit singles over here too and mm. which would be slightly different like they like black pink isn't outspoken on these issues per se but they are visible they have that visibility you know right. and i think we are still very very underrepresented for sure yeah and i think the challenge is this specifically is just fighting this battle against specifically dehumanization yeah, I think there's a lot of really harmful tropes about associations between East Asian people, not just women. Well, what actually happens with women a lot. <laughs> a lot of trope that associates East Asian people with being robotic or not human, which I really take issue with. Mm. I think we're fighting a battle that we talked about a little bit before against exoticization. Yeah. Like this constant, like, not only just being othered, by the culture that's around us, but also to a certain extent, self-othering that mm. temptation to do that. Um, right. And then I think fetishization as well, specifically with women. Yeah. And then I think too, it's just like making our voices heard. Like, mm. I know this is not a specifically um, British television show, but it is on Netflix UK. So it is part of the whole spectrum mm. of representation. Yeah. But like, all these things that are coming out about what happened on the set of Kim's Convenience is just Oh, I was just going to ask you about that. <laughs> it's yeah. awful. Oh, and it's, it's such a disappointment and it's such a blow to the, um, not just the Korean community, but to the East Asian and Southeast. It was a good show, which is such a shame. Blow. Yeah. It's, it's just so heartbreaking to hear what was going on in the writer's room. So that's, I think, just the yeah. biggest thing, just like having authentic voices be heard. You know, hmm. also kind of why I'm doing, why I do the playwriting that I do. It's just about like Koreans are human beings too. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe we have to argue that, but <laughs> here we are, 2021. Yeah. And I love, I love that you're doing that. And mm -hmm. one thing that I just want to mention before is that I think like, you know, when you're as a kid, well, yeah, yeah as a girl, when you're growing up in your form, I sounds so technical but in your formative years like you kind of realize like at a certain point oh i'm attractive to i'm attractive to society because i'm a woman yeah whatever i'm supposed to look like yeah xyz but i think what i was trying to say earlier is mm -hmm. that it's already a lot as an asian american girl not seeing your beauty role models or love mm -hmm. role models and being cast aside yes. but it's another thing to say like um, you know, my friends, they're blonde. They had like, like, oh, this is my appeal. This is what I need to do to be perceived as attractive. But for Asian women, it's like, what are, we can't even have that appeal factor. Like, what right. is our appeal? To be silent? Is that, is that what it is? Right. And I, it, it is a very sexist framework, I think, mm -hmm. which uh, needs to be changed. But yeah, I, I think, I think that, that is the thing. Like, I, I never felt attractive. Not that you need to feel attractive. You need to have self-love, but. Mm -hmm. 
And that was what I was trying to get at earlier. What, what do you think? Does that, does that make sense? So, and I, I always feel a little nervous talking about this because obviously it's a separate conversation about, okay, who controls like society, this. right? Okay, good. I like, I like this. this is a good question. So what, so what yeah. do I think about the idea of who controls, yeah, like, who oh, controls sorry, society and like makes the dialogue about what appeal consists of? Yeah, I think, I mean, in my, in my opinion, white men white men control society there's a section and i talk about this like all the time but i there's a section in kathy park hong's book Wonderful. where she says basically a, a white doctor typical basically operated on <laughs> korean prostitutes to make them quote-unquote more attractive to the military base so he was one of the first people to like create this like this is how Asian women should be. This is how attractive uh, they should be, you know, like make them appealing. Oh but God, that's awful. It, okay. No, it's 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 horrible. And so society dictates like what we should look like. That's a separate conversation because at mm -hmm. the end of the day, like, you know, you should have right. self-love and etc. But growing up, like you're exposed to society, you're exposed to these yes. ideals. And so what do you think about the Asian American woman appeal? Oh, when I was growing up, no. Definitely. What about now? Well, when I was yeah. when I was growing up, no. Mm. And then, like, when I got to my late teens and early twenties, um, the appeal for me was with people who were really, or or I was found appealing, I should say, mm. by people that were really into anime. Like, oh, yeah exactly oh and like, like white people were in anime sorry <laughs> <laughs> one of my first jobs like when i was in high school um i worked at barnes and noble Ooh, nice and job it was always the men in the graphic novel section that would say the weirdest stuff to me oh okay you know? that's, so <laughs> that's when i kind of figured out and then um and then you might have to edit this next part out <laughs> okay. when when I um, got to uh, University of Minnesota, I decided as one of my second languages to take Japanese. Mm. But I didn't oh. realize that enrolling for this class meant that I would the class would be filled by predominantly men that were just a little too Oh, no. Things. We need to keep this in. We need... To, oh, I'm going to cut it if you want. But... No, we, we keep this in? Okay, let's keep it in. That's fine. We'll keep it in. But this is part of the whole... I don't, I don't think I'm doing a good job articulating myself, but that's because I, I generally don't know how to articulate it. But th this is like where fetish, fetish, fetishization yeah. is gross. No, it is. It's awful. And it is a thing. It does exist. I, I feel like you and I, we just kind of like get it. And it's uncomfortable and it's just yeah. weird. No, it is. And it's, oh, <laughs> excuse me, the heebie-jeebies. Well, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, but I was just thinking like going off of that, mm. like, where that I, the idea of appeal and what it is and where that exists today. Um, like, I can't speak for what that is in the United States just because I'm not there and I don't really know what's going on over there. Mm -hmm. But I, what I will say for me, it's just like how I navigate things here. It's like, I kind of just lack context, if you will, mm -hmm. because I guess what I mean by that is like, <clears throat> Most of the other East Asians that live around me, I live very near to the University of Glasgow. Mm. So a lot of the East Asians that live around me are um, East and Southeast Asian international students. Mm. And 
I am not the same as them. Just like our, the way we see the world is different. The way we navigate the world, the way that we talk, walk, dress, everything, you know? And, and so like, I think like the way that I dress and the way that I am like do my hair and makeup, it's still very much in a very Korean way. Mm. Um, but people who interact with me may not necessarily recognize that (laughs) like they won't know that as like kind of like that soul style if you will Mm. like it's like that very like like I wear like a lot of black and white like I think I'm not explaining this very well no 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 no. I no I I I get it but I don't know how to like a lot of my aesthetic is very Korean still you know yeah but yeah Mm. like I just I just like lack context like Mm. Like I had, I, I explained to someone, I, I was like, yeah. you know, like a lot of my clothes are either like black or white, like almost all of them are. And mm. they're like, yeah, yeah, I've noticed like, that's, a, that's a very, <laughs> that's a very soul thing. It's a very like, like young artsy Korean <laughs> yes. kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, is it? That's, that's, the, like, yeah, it is. Oh, I thought that was just you. Oh, yeah, now that you put it in that context. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, have you ever been told, oh, you're pretty for a Korean person. You're pretty for an Asian person. Oh, that is awful. And who who predominantly says those comments? Like what race and gender of a person says? Yes. I'd be really curious. (laughs) Let me think about this. Oh, we have to think about it. Okay. (laughs) I feel like it was most like. I've never gotten that kind of comment in Scotland or Ireland. Never. Oh, that's a relief. It's already in, that already put us in the United States. Mm. And it would be usually said to me by men. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Who are not East or Southeast Asian. Yeah. This is what I'm saying is like the whole, this context around like societal framing of asian american woman and the appeal and i mean we've heard of chilling podcast stories i don't know if you 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 probably have been exposed where like um a a black girl would message a t- white tinder dates her white friend would do the same thing and they would receive different responses and it's all centered around how we're all framed by this dominant thing and and some people might be like oh but it's just dating it's just you know it's it's trivial but it impacts how you feel about yourself sure. it, it's it's love you know it's it is important and it, you know it just messed up so mm-hmm. no to, to the very few men listening stop saying that. <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly our friends listening they're just gonna be like yeah i know you're right <laughs> oh god so i guess like you know you mentioned like it sounds like your mental health is really impacting on like change of your diet and your lifestyle so it's been very positive Uh so like how do you practice self-care yeah um a lot of it is like going off of mental health actually like the biggest thing that i that i would recommend to anyone is like having a counselor or a therapist is a wonderful thing i'm a really Mm -hmm. believer in that i think in a perfect healthcare system every single man, woman, and child would have a therapist or a counselor. Yeah, I'm agreed. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, 
I'm I'm very fortunate to say that like I have a counselor who is just wonderful. I'm not ashamed of the fact that I go to her. I'm not ashamed of the fact that I talk to her. It's just yeah. a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing. And a lot of it is also for me, self-care is comfort food. <laughs> yes. I have one very Korean comfort food and one very Scottish comfort food. So oh. I love kimchi jjigae. Oh yeah, Anna. of course. Do you put tofu in it? If it's in the house, but if not, I just no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just so good with that with that tofu and like throwing dumplings in there sometimes. Anyway, sorry, was what's the Scottish one? Um either macaroni and cheese or if you want to take it one step further, a macaroni pie. Okay, I I not to be stereotypical, oh. I genuinely thought you were going to say haggis and I was like, oh my god, how is that come from? I like haggis too. Haggis is Wait, like, really? Haggis is lovely, yeah. Uh-huh. I, I, I did try it. foods, but I do like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mac and cheese, yeah, I get. Ooh, mac and cheese pie. What is that? Literally in a pie? Wonderful. Yeah, like like macaroni and cheese isn't something I necessarily knew that was Scottish until I came here. But I realized mm-hmm. it is and it's everywhere. And and it's like it's it's great because it always comes in this really wonderful thick sauce, and they tend to use kind of a more mature cheddar than than other types of like macaroni they've had in other parts of the world. But a macaroni and cheese, a macaroni, sorry, (laughs) the official name is called a macaroni pie. Mm. And what it actually is, it's like a little handheld savory pie, just about this big. It's like a pie crust, and there's macaroni and cheese in the middle. Oh, that's and like beautiful. on a cold, rainy day, one of those is just it's like a it's like a hug from the Lord. It's perfect. <laughs> it, you can't get them at Greg's anymore. When I was in Edinburgh years ago, mm. we used to be able to get them at Greg's, but Greg's in Scotland stopped carrying them. <gasps> and I found this out when I was preparing to come back to Glasgow. And I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna have to cancel this whole thing. Greg's <laughs> he stopped that one. I forget it. <laughs> Oh cancel, yeah. Cancel, cancel. I'm serious. <laughs> oh, I'll have to try that. They're wonderful. When does you it... come visit Glasgow, we'll go get a macaroni and pie. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And mm-hmm. um, doesn't Glasgow rain like when I was there last time? Because we did a tour. Because my my family visited. Mm-hmm. It doesn't rain like three sixty days out of the year. I don't know. Um, lately, the weather's been really good. Today is kind of like a wet and rainy day but like this is the this is like the desk where i sit where i've been doing all my coursework on zoom there's mm-hmm. a window opposite me and sometimes when i'm sitting here and doing coursework the weather can change like six or seven times <laughs> yeah. it's just like <laughs> oh it's calling for you <laughs> oh yeah. and yeah and anything else you wanted to to share i'm also i'm a big journaler oh yeah um and I tend to like, I don't really journal in paragraphs, I journal in lists. Mm. It's like things that like, dreams that I have, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Things that I'm grateful for, one, two, three, four, five. Mm. Gratitude journaling is huge, especially. That's something that really keeps me grounded, I think. And yeah. I've also, I'm a little late in the game with this one, but I've turned into one of those people that really likes baking because of COVID. <laughs> so I've got really into making cookies. <laughs> what kind of cookies? Um, well, here's the thing, right? Like I'm actually, I don't have a huge sweet tooth myself. So the vast majority mm-hmm. of what I make, I give away. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but there's just something really methodical about it that I like. So what I like to do, it's this would be called, so like, if you want to be really generic, this would be like a sandwich cookie, but in the States, this would be called a whoopie pie. Oh. Yeah, right? So you get yeah. like cookies that are very soft and kind of like cakey, like very, soft, mm. you know, like they're more like little cakes than cookies. And then with like a frosting in the middle. Oh, what, like. what a treat. And then I just give them all away because I get so sick of them after I bake them. <laughs> but um, this past week I did red velvet and that was my favorite so far, I think. Wow. I did carrot cake ones too. I thought the carrot cake ones were just okay, but other people like them. So maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I don't know why carrot cake's so popular. Like, no offense to people who like it. I mean, it, it's a cake. Don't you want like cakey stuff in it no like <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah I, I can see why it it can be um a stretch of labor because you just follow all the steps and it is very like precise and then you have something delicious as an outcome yeah it's i thought the carrot cake ones i made were just kind of like just kind of sweet and kind of cinnamony but not really much mm. <laughs> so maybe it's just me maybe it's just my palate yeah um, the other way of self-care, actually, this is something that I came about just actually through the coursework that I had to do. Hmm. I created this original character that's kind of like an alter ego character. Oh. It was kind of like yeah. a mix of Tan France, Brad Mondo, <laughs> Anna Wintour, and like a late, like an early 2000s Paris Hilton. <laughs> Mashup of the best. Yeah. <laughs> I created this character as part of my coursework mm. but just the discovery was just like through her um, and it also as well as just like an example of just like a positive east asian character who just happens to be east asian but nobody needs to explain about it and mm. um, that that i found just a really helpful thing too like one of the pieces i did with this character for my course was a kind of a racist incident in the glasgow city center mm. So as this character, she made a vlog as if it happened mm. to her, but yeah. just like how I wish I had reacted but didn't. Mm. Yeah. Well, it must be really um, cathartic to experience that like through your alter ego. Yeah. Really are, you, are you doing anything with that alter ego? Like, are you going to create it into like, like anything more? I don't know. I was thinking about it. Um. Well, here, here's the funny thing, right? So it's like, so in the coursework that I did with this character, she did a series of vlogs about the three things that I feel I've experienced Scotland through the most mm. lockdown. So that would be like food, racism, so that <laughs> second video, and yeah. then politics. Mm. And so what she did, what this character did, is she did like a review and a commentary and all the flyers that I was getting through my door about the Scottish parliamentary elections, right? <laughs> yeah. And what actually happened <laughs> is I, I was like putting all these up on Instagram. So I created like an Instagram and Twitter for this fake character too. And the woman who was elected MSP for my constituency actually commented on it. <laughs> oh, whoa, that's that's so cool. Wait, it's on your Instagram? It's, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's linked. If you go on my Instagram, it's like linked to this other one. The character's name is Mia. Oh, I'll check it out. What, what, what do they say? They just said, thank you. That's very kind of you. Like the thing is, <laughs> yeah. so 
for anyone who's listening, the MSP for my local constituency is this wonderful woman named Kokop Stewart, mm-hmm. who was the first woman of color elected to Scottish Parliament. And she's oh, just amazing. a wonderful lady. Yeah. I had had a meeting with her months ago to discuss how to support the East and Southeast Asian community in Glasgow mm-hmm. in, her, in her constituency, right? Mm-hmm. This is months ago. I made this character and she left a comment. Yeah. I don't know if she knows that this character and I are the same person or not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, maybe you should have said, like, oh, I came and saw you. Um, I I, I sent her a follow-up email about this. Mm -hmm. Um, She's a very very busy lady. She was just recently elected. I'm Mm -hmm. sorry I'm back from her, but I did in an email say, like, by the way, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) For your reference. Yeah, I guess I did want to share a little bit there's this is getting better and this is improving but like if you look at east and southeast asian communities there's just so much about our cultures and so much about about aspects of our lives that are just not written or not talked about Mm, yeah english language context absolutely Um, and like so, like, one example that, like, I always think of, it's, like, before Min Jin Lee, nobody was writing about the the Koreans in Japan. Nobody. Yeah. You know, the, and or just, like, how, like, pachinko parlors are, like, overwhelmingly run by the Korean community in Japan. I didn't know that. I, I had no idea. That. Yeah. No idea. And that's kind of, like, the way that she does this, um, it, it's really, like, where I find inspiration. Like, what are the mm. stories? haven't been told that should be told so like the play that i'm writing right now so basically what this play is about it's um it takes place in like in two um in two times simultaneously so the scene that i read for you in our writing session Mm. that takes place in the year 2018 Mm. but adjacent to the high rise where she lives is an old tabang like korean traditional coffee house Mm. and in this tabang inside of it it's the year 1978 oh, and wow. as she goes to this tabang yeah. in 1978 it's just she explores the idea of identity through mm-hmm. the protest folk music of the late 1970s in korea which mm. nobody writes about in english so yeah I'm doing a lot of research on like twin folio and song changshik and kim minki and yang hyun yeah and like for all the people listening, that's like the OG before K-pop, and that's where it's at. Like that late 1970s Korean folk, I'm, I'm crazy for it. And on that note, thanks so much, and I'll talk to you soon. Have a good rest of the week. You too. Bye. Bye. Bye.